This is John. This is Danny. Welcome to Do You Know. All right, man. So what's uh, going on? So I was listening to the um, the Trashy Show on KFI. So KFI is like the news um, station here in LA. Mm. But at 9 o'clock, or sorry, 10 o'clock, that's when they put on like the aliens and... You know, the, um, just the crazy stuff, man. Like, you know. Like they tell stories? It's, so it's George Nori. And it's coast to coast. And I just, I don't know why, but I listen to it. Because that's when I'm driving home mm-hmm. from work. And so this dude came on and he was talking about time travel. Oh. And he was so serious. He's like, physics proves that you, we can time travel. And, you know, we're going to go to the past 12,000 years. We're going to repopulate the earth and it's going to be another dimension or, you know, and, and I was just like, he sounds really serious about this. Like, you know, (laughs) and I know that this is the trash show. I know that this can't be real. So I went on NASA to look up time travel to see what it was all about. And... Of course, they're like, you can't time travel like in the movies. They're like, that's not real. Right. But you can actually change the speed of time. Like, if you take two clocks and you put one on a plane and one just sitting down, the one on the plane goes a little bit slower. Mm. And if you have uh, satellites going around the Earth, the speed of the satellites go a little bit faster than the ones on the Earth, the, the, the clocks hmm. and the satellites. So technically, that's time travel because they're traveling faster and slower than we are. So technically, that's time travel. So I think that's what he meant by physics allows for time travel. So he's trying to like morph that to something you know faster. But my, what I wanted to get at is I then watched Looper. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so I got all this time travel in my mind. And I loved how they did it in the movie. Because he he goes, in the movie, he goes, we could sit here all day and do all these brackets and stuff, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how it works. It doesn't matter. You know, we're going to scrap it. We're just going to go, we're going to skip it. So I just loved how they didn't explain time travel. Right. In the movie. What did you think of Looper? I like Looper. I mean, it's it's a little bit of an older movie, but for for even now, like I, I put it on uh, maybe a couple weeks ago, it was on Netflix. Yeah. And yeah, I just was like going back to it. I mean, you know, the whole idea of it is it's still based on wanting to get money. You know what I mean? It's still like they want to, you know, they, they're going to do the hits and then they're going to get paid for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's still like that same like motivation. Which right. I think in the future will be less. Like I think we've almost used up all of our monetary, you know, resources to be like, oh, we just want to be so rich. Ha 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 ha. Like it's been done so many times. I think as we grow into the future, it's gonna be more about commodities. It's gonna be more about right. like water, things like that. I don't think it matters how much gold you have or how many diamonds you have if you're thirsty. You right, know? right. But what you were saying about time travel, this is kind of in the same ballpark um there was this article from um i think it's coffee or die magazine okay and it's basically darpa and nasa scientists 
and they accidentally created a warp bubble, a bubble for interstellar travel. Oh. So they were working on different laws of physics, and what happened was they were working with micro nano scale structures. Yeah. And they basically were able to create negative energy density. So the idea is that to send something with our technology today, you have to use two times the amount of power. Like you'd have to go two times the amount of thrust to thrust the rocket up, you know, based on its mass. Right. That's why you need to use engines. But the idea with negative energy is that you actually don't have to use any of that thruster power. Mm. So on a nanoscale, they're able to create a light particle and inside of this cube. And if they're able to do that on a major scale, they would be able to send an aircraft 186,250 miles per second. Wow. So it would be a little bit faster than the speed of light. So the idea is, based on Einstein's theory of relativity, if you could go past the speed of light, then you would be able to change time. Right. So it's just interesting that in a, you know, in a lab with, you know, they're defense workers basically for NASA. They're able to create this particle. So I'm, I'm curious of what will come out of it. Um, it's a very strange time that we're in. Um, you know, do you know that right now Russia is sending in hundreds of thousands of troops and are on the Ukrainian border ready to attack? Really? So any day now, there's going to be an invasion of the Ukraine. And a lot of countries are getting together, Germany, the EU, United States, to basically put sanctions to tell Russia do not invade the Ukraine. Uh, today in the LA Times, there was a conference call between Xi, who is the president of China, yeah, and Putin, and they formed an alliance. Mm. So Russia and China are now an alliance, possibly in this invasion, and my guess is because escalations are up in the sea near Taiwan, and China has been putting in some of their aircraft carriers. Yeah. My guess is if Russia does decide to invade the Ukraine, then China will invade Taiwan. Wow. And it'll put the United States in a very strange position because we have an ally support to both Taiwan and the Ukraine. Right. Yeah. So from your military experience, what do you, what do you think could happen here? I don't know, man. I mean, like, we live in such a modern world of, you know, post-Afghanistan, post-Iraq, you know, Biden isn't, you know, he's yeah. not like a military guy. Not at all. So I, I can't see, I mean, of course he'd have to respond. I mean, you know, I'm not saying he's not a military guy in the sense that he's not a, a, a president. Mm-hmm. A president is a military figure, mm-hmm. but um, I can't see him going like I'm committing us to a four year war or something. So I don't know. Are we are we missing Trump at this point? Or are we missing a Bush or some kind of strong Republican figure? It, if something does go down, you might be. Yeah, I mean, that's how I look at it. I always feel like if you have a commander in chief who's a Republican and you're going to have some kind of military conflict, I feel like they're better like 
um, ready for it. I, I don't know why. I guess it's a bias. You know, right. I know that you look back at some of our Democratic presidents and the different conflicts that we had. You know, I can go back. We looked at, you know, Clinton, right? You look at Obama. We didn't really have a major. We had Afghanistan. But it was, a lot of it was more talking about getting people out, right? right. Ending it. Ending it. I'm not sure how we go about, as an ally, who do we send in? Or do we send in the robots? And that's, what it, that's the next really step here, is that instead of having troops on the ground, it may be a situation where uh, we send in these drones, which are known to cause a lot of havoc, or uh, they send in the slaughterbots. Slaughterbots. Yeah, so what these are, they are a weapon that the military has created and the world governments had a decision to make. They had to make a decision if they were going to basically make them illegal. And um, what's the term? When you, when you make something illegal, you basically ban, ban it. it. You yeah. ban it. So they had, the, they had it on the table. So the countries got together, the, the top nations, and they were like, should we, should we basically make these illegal and make an outright global ban? They're called LAWs, Legal Autonomous Weapons. And the world had voted to keep them. So these things are the, could be the size of cell phones and bring such damage and very inexpensive. The comparison that I read was that if you went to the gun store and you were going to purchase an AR-15 or an AK-47, you would have the option to purchase a slaughter bot with a similar weapon for the same price. Mm. And it would be able to basically protect you at your house and your family. And that is, I think, the, the big picture here is that at a certain point, people will protect themselves with robot arsenals that'll run the perimeters of their homes and protect them. I just think that we're not thinking about hacking about what happens if it gets into the wrong hands. Right now we have right. you know, school attacks. We have grocery store shooters. Yeah. I mean, these just seem like very dangerous toys that aren't toys that are going to be in the hands of the cartel. And they are on the doorstep. I mean, they're so ready to be released because... You know how it works. Once the government creates something and time goes by and years go by and those people leave the military, they still have the expertise. They still have the training. So let me ask you this then. So um, we had talked about the idea of, you know, not murdering one person. So the value of a human life. So obviously a slaughter bot, you know, you could you could kill a hundred slaughter bots in in the weight of saving one person. So, you know, is it worth it to put these in the hands of the cartel and to, you know, um, put these in the hands of criminals, but to save possibly thousands or tens of thousands of people who would normally go on the lines, like police officers going into a school shooting situation or military situations like let's say we did go into 
uh, the, the Ukraine, like, you know what I'm saying? Like having these autonomous vehicles or autonomous bots, mm-hmm. um, what's your feeling on the, the, the weight that they're going to remove from the human casualties? Well, the problem is, is they can't arrest. They can't detain. Right. They can't really make you surrender. They have one option. They have an option basically to kill you or I harm see. you. I mean, they don't have, they're not sophisticated enough to stop you. They're not like RoboCop. Right. You know, coming in there, making a decision. It's zero decision. It's like, it's basically a robot that has a gun and is fast and mobile and it can climb. I watched a video. These things can jump, they can climb, they can roll. So it's like, you can't really, it reminds me of, um, remember that movie where I think it's, um, it's like Cappy. It was like a robot, but it was like, they were in the very, uh, futuristic, you know, some kind of suburban ghetto and there was all this military or Chappie. It's called Chappie. Chappie. Yeah. Yeah. And there they had like these robotic things that would come in there and everyone would, you know, flee and run. I'm kind of getting this picture that we're turning into Gotham, like our society. We have people, these huge groups of people, which we talked about doing these robberies every day. They're going into Home Depot and stealing all the crowbars, like literally just a mob, like 200 people go into Home Depot and just run out with all the crowbars. Home Depot can't stop them. The police can't stop them. The few people who get arrested... They get let out that evening because since coronavirus, and I'm talking about LA County, right? they changed the law to make no bail. So everything is zero bail now on all crimes, even crimes with a weapon. Right. So it doesn't matter if you go in and rob someone with your bare hands or you rob them with a gun, you still get a no bail sentence and then you have to come back in a few months for your arraignment. Right. So the way these criminals are looking at it, they go, well, we can just keep getting arrested and then by the time the arraignment comes, we'll just leave to another country or another state. Right. And in the meantime, they can rob as many stores as they want and do whatever they want to do. And, you know, following people home and robbing people. It's feeling like we're getting into this Gotham society and we need like a Batman. Mm. We need someone who's a vigilante, someone who can stop all these things that are on our doorstep. You know, we have this viral attack. Right, It's almost like Dr. Evil is sending the virus out. And then we have the mobs of people breaking into stores, stealing things. And then we have these autonomous, you know, uh, murder bots, you know, who are going to be driving by. I mean, it's such a grim uh, picture here. Right. While we're creating warp speed. (laughs) You know what I mean? I mean, we have a rover on Mars. Yeah. And there's a picture. This is on the NASA's website that there may be a crashed UFO that they found on Mars. Really? Yeah. Wow. And it's so weird that they're not like really investigating, investigating it. This should be like front news story. There's possibly a crashed UFO in a crater on Mars that we have a picture of. And we're like, oh, we're going to get to it. But the rover has to still analyze the dirt and look at some rocks. But it's like the rover should be driving to that crashed ufo yeah like that should be the first place since you are they're looking for life maybe there's life in that ufo maybe i mean yeah 
So, I mean, I, if there actually is a crashed UFO on Mars that we found, the whole game is going to change. You know what I mean? That's a game, that's a game changer for sure. Yeah. So it validates what everyone's thinking. Right. Exactly. I mean, isn't this the time of the year that we study, if you're Christian, revelations? Um, no. No? It's uh, Deuteronomy? No, they they don't they don't do it like that. Oh. It's not so like in Judaism you study like a certain part of the Torah at certain times of the year. In Christianity, like the Catholic Church does a certain passage at certain times like every day they'll have like a daily passage, but um it's not like it's a specific it's not like it's tied to a specific time of year so um i've been following the catholic daily prayer because the protestant doesn't really have um it, it doesn't seem to follow anything like right now we're in advent mm -hmm. so right now it's it's the coming of jesus right so on, on christmas but there's no, it's not like we're studying um, parts of the gospel where, you know, Mary has, goes to the barn and Jesus is born and they follow the star and the three wise men show up. It's not like that. No, I drove by a church. Yeah. And they had their, um, what's it called? A marquee? Ma the, 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 the nativity scene. No. Oh, the, oh the mar they the had marquee. like a thing yeah. and it said... Now studying Revelations. Oh, so I see. I was like, it must be... I see. No, you know why? It's because that's the most interesting part of the Bible to uh, people. Yeah, because that's the... That's the end of days. It's the, it's the part that has the most... Um, visions. Visions, metaphors, deep, you know. It's like the Kabbalah of the New Testament. That's John or Paul. No, that's that's John. John, yeah. Yeah, that's John. Um, but you know, that's the part that makes you go crazy. That's that's why people end up on the street talking to themselves. <laughs> so, you have to be careful with revelations. I mean, yeah, it just it's funny so I'm I'm putting all this together. Right. right? I had a I had a long talk with a good friend the other night and she had asked me why are the Jews the chosen people? Right. And I didn't have a direct answer. I said, well, because it says it. Right. In the book. Right. Right? And, like, that answer wasn't good enough. It's like, just, that's what it says. Like, if you believe in the book, then you have to believe what it says. Right. And, um, and then, anyway, we started getting into numbers. So, like, the English language... Is 1400 years old approximately so 14 people one after another turned 100 years old the way you could look at it even though you know people were only living to be 10 years old and 30 years old you know it's more generations it's like yeah. fifth century but the idea that there's only 1400 years of english and then there's only about 5,000 years of civilization and then Science is saying that these galaxies and these planets are 50,000 years away from us traveling. 
Things are millions of years old. The question I have is, if, if the creator created everything millions and millions of years ago, why did it take that long for civilization to begin and get the book? I see. It's like the time. I'm trying it's to get the It's a good question. <laughs> yeah. Meaning like it could have been day one, light and dark, day two, heaven and earth, day 20, English, yeah. day 21, Dan and John, do you know? Right. right. I mean, it could have been. Could have been. Right. Right. And the other way, it's like <laughs> million years, maybe an amoeba, maybe a bacteria. Right. We don't know. I just, so we had this conversation and I'm not an expert on the subject at all. And I just am giving like the very basic of what I know, but you know, um, I think it's great for the, for the listeners to think about, and why don't you go and look at Revelations? I mean, if you do look at it, I looked at like one part of it today before the show. I mean, it really talks about the end of the world. Yes. <laughs> and like an apocalypse. An apocalypse. <clears throat> and I think some of the fear. But there's a hidden there's a hidden ending in the trailer or in the credits. There's an end credit scene uh-huh. where everyone is in a holy city at the end of the apocalypse. That's the part that people miss. Because of the rapture. Because of the rapture. Yeah. Yeah. So so the thing is is that the movie ends with the total decimation of the earth through the four horsemen. Uh-huh. But if you stayed through the credits, <laughs> it ends in a golden city of light with everyone, you know, enjoying like peace and harmony and joy. And the but, rest in fire. Yeah, but you have to make it through the entire book. And most people are like so jazzed up. They're so like, I just read the Bible that's telling me to love and and then suddenly I get to Revelation and it's just like so different than everything else. Yeah. I mean they drop the book. They don't finish it. Wow. I mean yeah, it's I mean it's sixty it's like sixty books and nine chapters. Yeah. Something like that. And I mean it's just wild to to put it all into perspective. It's like at this point with all of our nuclear arsenal, it wouldn't be hard to have an apocalypse. You know what I mean? If everyone just pushed their button Right. And send out all their weapons. Right. Then what? I mean, you know, the Earth can only take so much. We actually have like a very little planet considering the planets around us. You know, like you look at right. what, Jupiter in our solar system. That's the biggest planet. Every one of our planets can fit in there. In Jupiter. Like all of them. That's how big Jupiter is. So we're just like a little tiny planet with a bunch of people who can't get along. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and it's like, we have this book that's supposed to give us like the 10 commandments, kind of the rules and regulations of how to live, what to do. You know what I mean? Like how we're supposed to aim to be. And it's kind of like, everyone's like, well, eh, do whatever I want. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's just a weird time, you know? And and we don't know exactly what to believe because our only resource is other people's opinions or news 
or things that are just biased because we've spent so much time understanding the psyche of the human mind that we know, and I'm not saying we as an I, but we as in there are people who understand how to manipulate us by yeah. saying certain words, showing us certain images, the idea of montage. You know, there's certain things that you can do to a human that will influence us. So are we just being influenced? Well, I was listening to Tim. Con- so so at 10 o'clock, I listened to the kooky news, but <laughs> from six to 10, I listened to Tim Conway Jr., and on Tuesdays, yesterday, um, he has on um, a former weatherman. And the weatherman said that the news, what they tell their reporters before they go out into the field, they say, all right, now go out there and scare them. <laughs> so they do try to scare you, the news. Like that's... And people watch it for that reason. Like, like the same reason you would watch a horror movie. <laughs> like subconsciously, you like that feeling of a little bit of anxiety. Because at any time, you could turn it off. You know what I mean? That's like true. you don't really need to know what's going on in Chicago or the Middle East or whatever if you don't live there. You know what I mean? But the way that the news in the United States, or specifically Hollywood, presents it, they scare you. And it's titillating because people like that feeling. It's the same as a roller coaster. It's like, woo! <laughs> it's a little bit of like, eee! And so he said that's what they would tell people. They say, go out there and scare them. Right. And so they do. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is scary. And it, I just think of people who only watch the news. Right. And they don't get any other life experience. They don't go outside and see things for themselves. And they, you know, like when they say that all these things are happening, they mean something is happening. Like a thing is happening. Not yeah. only this is happening everywhere. And I think people get confused and go, well, the news said that. Uh, there's going to be no more toilet paper and there's going to be no right. more things and I need to go to the store and get all of them and I need to buy all the masks and I need to get all the gas and right. you know what I mean? And then it causes this panic and then everyone's panicking and then the people who are just trying to get through the day-to-day operations are like, can everyone just calm down? Right. And the thing is, is that if, you, if you've ever seen a terrified child, they like to cling to something. They like to hug their mother. Mm. So you will cling to the news because you feel the news is giving you some sort of insight. Even though it's the very thing that's scaring you. You (laughs) Right, you keep turning it back on. You keep turning it back on going like, how do I fix it? What do I do? And, you know, here it is. So it's the very thing poisoning you. And it's, it's giving you like not enough information to, to, counterbalance so you need something else in your life to give you something that says everything's going to be okay yeah everything actually in the big picture no one's going to push their buttons like the apocalypse so that's why i think christianity and judaism are a good match a good 
you know, so that's why I feel that my studying Judaism was important because, and, and, and that's why in Christianity, it says, if you bless Israel, you will be blessed. Hmm. It, it's a, it's, it's sort of like the mitzvah of a Christian. They don't have that word, but mm -hmm. it's like whatever the equivalent of that is. But it's basically, you know, if you study the Old Testament first, then revelation doesn't become as crazy. Then you're not on the street talking to yourself because the Torah has this idea of divine providence. The idea that everything is under the control of God. Everything. So you can relax and know that God is in charge of your life. So if, if things are turbulent and upside down and crazy, you know that like you're being given just enough that you can handle it. If, if things are really chill and you're wondering like something's going to be around the corner, I just know it. It's too relaxed. You know, oh my God. You know, you can be like, hey, it's chill. So, you know, like you can take lessons from the Old Testament, you can take lessons from the Torah and use that in this approach of an apocalyptic time. Because for Christians, they don't normally get that kind of training. They normally go once a week and get a very short um, sermon. Yeah, a very short sermon from uh, a not very learned pastor, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, when you think about basically community and society and how we deal with things, it always ends up going from like what is right and wrong to punishment and some kind of financial thing. Right. So we just had these tornadoes right. in Kentucky. And I was reading these different stories. There was a candle factory and... The workers were told, if you leave the candle factory, you will be fired. Hmm. And 100% of them stayed in the candle factory because they feared that they would lose their job. And the tornado hit the candle factory and everyone was killed. Wow. Similar story happened at an Amazon warehouse in Kentucky. They told the drivers... You're not allowed to leave. There's a tornado warning. They had nine minutes that they could have left before the tornado hit the warehouse and killed, I think, seven or eight of the workers. But do you think that is right in a situation of extreme weather? If there was an active shooter, do you think it's right for an employer to tell you or scare you in that situation? You know, um, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, so I would say no, but I'm sure there have been like hundreds of tornadoes that didn't hit and mm -hmm. they were probably like, you know what? This time we're not gonna lose productivity you know what, we're going to stand through this dang thing. And, 
you know, no one's leaving today. This we're not going to do this thing. No one's getting a free day on me, you know, because <laughs> you know every time we we let people go, we they, we lose we lose a whole day's production, and the tornadoes never hit. So, um, so just like Lotto, it was just a, a bad Lotto ball. Yeah, hit them. I mean, my feeling is that if there's any kind of emergency situation, you don't want panic. Okay, and I understand that. Like, if there is an active shooter, you don't want everyone just like running around screaming. You want everyone to understand to go to the exits where the place is so that you could be accounted for. You know, I've worked at different employers in my life where they have policies in place with what you do, but everything is geared towards leaving the building in those situations of extreme weather, a shooter, etc. I think that it's horrible for an employer to use fear tactics on people. It should be just like um, you left work sick. So if there's some kind of emergency, there's a tornado, there's a storm, and you feel you need to leave, and you leave, guess what? It's like you went home sick that day. And it should be whatever the policy is for leaving to go sick. You know, if it's a half day, a half point, some kind of infraction. Yeah. It shouldn't be if you leave, you are fired. You know, that to me is a um, borderline hostage situation. Yeah. I mean, you're dealing with Kentucky, though. So that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, you're like, we have so many protections here in California that it's hard to relate to other states where they don't have as many protections. But do you think that the people in Kentucky should have any less? No, that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. But, but what I'm saying is... I think the reason why they don't have those protections there is because they didn't vote for it. Like they want to have the freedom and flexibility of business and labor and you know, I mean the workers yeah. probably would vote for it if they knew what they were going to get from it, but I you know, it's just a different type of place. You know, it's a it's probably a republican type of place and they're pro labor typically so um you think they're going to learn from this you think in the future if there's a tornado they're going to let people leave yeah i think so i think they'll probably learn from this i i would hope so i mean yeah i mean the i mean tornadoes are not like an anomaly it's not like a tornado hits once every hundred years like the pandemic Like, it's some kind of, like, oh, my God, out of this world. They come every year. There's tornado season. There's hurricane season. This is, like, an annual event. Yeah. So they should have already had rules in place. Right. You know, here we had a a very heavy rain, and we really needed it. So the L.A. River flooded yesterday. Yeah. And two vehicles tried to cross at a place where the water was rising. And they tell you if the water's rising, turn around, you know, don't go. And they got trapped. There was like a overpass and they got trapped under the overpass and where the LA river is running. Hmm. And the firefighters went out there and they had their fire truck. The water was rising so fast that the fire department made a decision that they wouldn't help the people trapped in their vehicle. Because they didn't want to risk losing any firefighters. Right. And they watched them drown to death. 
yeah. in their vehicles. Yeah. And then when the water receded, they recovered the bodies. So it went from uh, save to recovery mission. Yeah. I think the firefighters in the 80s and the 90s would have saved them. No, but see, we talked about this last week. Like, you can't drown yourself trying to save a drowning person. Like, that's... Maybe it's new thinking, but it's the correct thinking. Because that firefighter can save 10, 20, 50 people in the future. A dead firefighter can't do anything. But don't you think the firefighters in the past... Would have went for it, maybe, but maybe they, maybe that's why they changed the rule. They changed the rule because too many firefighters were dying as a result of getting caught themselves. Now you need to send more firefighters after the the drowning firefighter. So now they're like, look, if it's dangerous, we're not sending you out there. So it's it, that's we're, we're calling it. So so imagine the fear. I mean, I'm just saying, you're in your car, the water's rising, you see a fire truck. You're like, oh my God, the fire truck, thank you. Right. And they're just waving to you. Bye-bye. <laughs> See you on the other side. Right. I'm just saying, man, it's like super bummer. <laughs> you were in that car. Right. So this should be a warning. If the water is rising, the vehicle needs to go back the way it came. Don't try to cross... Any puddle that seems deeper than, you know, just like a puddle of water. Right. Just go another way. Because not one, but two cars full of people got trapped. And that was their Tuesday. Yeah. Sucks, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But, you know, it's been a little bit of a a sad show. (laughs) (laughs) So, not to depress anybody. Is anything good happening? Any good news? Any good news? It's not sensationalized. No. 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 It's just, it just is what it is. It's what it is. You know, things go up and down. I mean, that's the nature of a show like this, is that um, we report what goes on, and it, it comes as it comes. Yeah. You know? That's it. That's why it's called Do You Know? Right. You know? Anyway, this is Dan. This is John. We'll see you next time. Peace.